welcome to worship at MCC Lehigh Valley. to skip worship today. There is so much to do, but God has called us to this time to seek the Spirit, to set aside the idols of busyness, to join our hearts in prayer and praise, and to seek direction for our lives. There are many distractions placed in front of us. We are called to focus on the Spirit and place our trust in the Sovereign One. God is always faithful to us, comforting, guiding, lifting us. Amen. You may be seated as we continue to worship. I delight myself in Thank you. 
beautiful, you are beautiful, oh God, there is no one more beautiful, you are beautiful, God, you are the most beautiful. Sing that again, you are beautiful. You are beautiful, you are beautiful, oh God, there is no one more beautiful, you are beautiful. God, you are the most beautiful. You are wonderful. Let's sing that. You are wonderful. You are wonderful. Oh, God, there is no one more wonderful. You are wonderful. God, you are the most wonderful. Sing this. You are glorious. You are glorious. You are glorious. In you, captivated by your beauty, I'm overwhelmed, I'm overwhelmed by you. Indeed, we are overwhelmed by God's beauty. And I'm always overwhelmed by God's amazing grace. And so before we pray here this morning, let's join in this unison confession. I say this many times, but I'll say it again. I, I like a personal one-on-one -on -one confession with God. I think that's good for the soul. Uh, but I especially like a unison confession because it reminds me that I'm in it. I'm in this faith life with my siblings in Christ. So will you join me now in our unison confession? Loving God. We confess that we do not always want our lives restored or renewed. We do not always seek your revelation because we are not sure we can handle what you disclose. When Jesus says, come out, we often want to stay in. We can grow comfortable in our tombs thinking we are secure. But you call us out from death into life. You call us out from captivity into true freedom. Forgive us and reconcile us to you once again, we pray. Amen. And as your sibling in Christ, let me assure you that we are a blessed and forgiven people. God's grace is poured out for us day in and day out. And so we have established praying ground. We are on holy ground in this space. This is sacred space that we're in. And so uh, for those who are worshiping online, if you have a prayer request, a prayer need, just type it into the comments on the worship broadcast. For those who are in person, in just a moment, I'm going to pause. And into that pause, all are invited to share any prayer needs that you may have, beloved ones, um, situations, circumstances. Uh, you can just share that aloud. Um, and we'll trust that everyone's positive prayer energy is, is joined together. And we can trust that God hears us, responds to our prayers, especially we want to hold in our hearts and hold in this sacred space uh, the people of Ukraine, 
and the, the terrible war uh, in Ukraine. We also want to pray for God to heal any divisions in our country, and, and of course we lift up uh, the church, MCCLV, to God. So I'm going to pause here. If you have any prayer needs, you can lift those up now. Loving God, you call us out from death into the abundant life. And what a life you have given. We thank you for your provision, Lord God, of this worship service. We thank you for your provision of these beloved people we worship with today. We thank you, God, for the songs, the fellowship, and the word. You have set a journey before us with Jesus, experiencing mountains and valleys, victories and difficulties. We want to learn more. We want to follow Jesus more closely. And so, God, where we may be closed off, we ask that you open us. Where we may be distracted, we ask that you focus us, Lord. Where we may be angry, we ask for your healing. Where we may be bound, free us. We trust, Lord God, that you will inspire us throughout this service today. We believe good things will come out of this gathering, and we consider it an honor to spend this hour worshiping you, praising you, and glorifying you, Lord God. And let's all say, amen. I repent for moments I have spent recalling all the pain, failures of my past. I repent for dwelling on things beyond my power to change. The chains that held me fast I will go on My past I leave behind me I gladly take Christ's mercy and His love His joy He's peace, strength and sweet release. I know he is and I am his. I will go And I give up the bitterness and hate, blaming man and faith. All 
my discontent. <laughs> you ever been there? <laughs> the guilt and pain I empty from my cup so God can fill it up with peace and sweet content. I accept the promise of the dawn, a place to build upon, to make a brand new day. I will begin convinced that Jesus lives and assured that he forgives and that he's here to stay. I will go on my past I leave behind me I gladly take Christ's mercy and Love is joy and he is peace, he strength and sweet release. I know he is and I am his. I will go on. He is joy and he is peace. Our reading today comes from chapter 11 of the Gospel according to John. Hear God's word for you. Now a certain man was ill, Lazarus of Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. Mary was the one who anointed the Lord with perfume and wiped his feet with her hair. Her brother Lazarus was ill, so the sisters sent a message to Jesus. Lord, Lazarus, whom you love, is ill. But when Jesus heard it, he said, this illness does not lead to death. Rather, it is for God's glory, so that the child of God may be glorified through it. Accordingly, though, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. After having heard that Lazarus was ill, he stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Then after this, Jesus said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. The disciples said to him, Rabbi, the religious authorities we're just now trying to stone you, and are you going there again? Jesus answered, Are there not twelve hours of daylight? Those who walk during the day do not stumble, because they see the light of this world. But those who walk at night stumble, because the light is not in them. After saying this, he told them, Our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I am going there to awaken him. The disciples replied, Lord, if he has fallen asleep, he will be all right. However, 
Jesus had been speaking about his death, but they thought that he was referring merely to sleep. Then Jesus told them plainly, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I am glad I was not there, so that you may believe. But let us go to him. Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. Now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away, and many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. When Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even those they, though they die, will live and everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, Yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the child of God, the one coming into the world. When she had said this, she went back and called her sister Mary and told her privately, The teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and went to him. Now Jesus had not yet come to the village, but was still at the place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house, consoling her, saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said, Lord, if you have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said, where have you laid Lazarus? They answered, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, see how Jesus loved him? But some of them said, could not the one who opened the eyes of the man born blind have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha, the sister of the dead man said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he has been dead for four days. Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believe, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone, and Jesus looked upwards and said, God, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you will always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowd standing here, so that they may believe that you sent me. When Jesus had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come out. The dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth, and his face wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. Here ends today's reading. Praise God that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. And praise God indeed. I thought I would dress as a mummy uh, today, right? As Lazarus but I just, I, I couldn't get it together. So, uh, church, will you pray with me? 
God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable unto you. Just keep pouring out your holy and amazing spirit, we pray, Lord God, amen. Well, the title of today's message is Journey Toward the Cross. And during this season of Lent, the faith community, we travel with Jesus to the city of Jerusalem, which is the location of his crucifixion. And it's also the place where we hear about the good news of Jesus' resurrection. It's a somber journey, but it's also at times a joyous journey. And today is particularly joyous as a man named Lazarus is restored and is brought back to life. Now, throughout this series, we will witness Jesus calling people to a culture of life in the midst of a tenacious culture of death. Now, the Roman Empire was in power while Jesus uh, was, uh, well, Jesus' earthly ministry was taking place. And as with any empire, the Roman Empire, it wants all the power, it wants all the wealth, it wants all the attention. And the Roman emperors had a title, and that title was Caesar. And the Caesar was to be worshiped, honored, and glorified. And Jesus enters into this picture. And Jesus has the audacity to call people away from worshiping Caesar. And Jesus calls on people to worship God, to give glory and honor to God. Now, Jesus models for all of us how to resist empire, whether the empire is military or political or corporate or even religious. Spiritual folks are humans just like everyone else, and we can get caught up with seeking worldly power rather than seeking godly power. But how do we keep spiritually centered? Uh, how do we keep spiritually centered when it seems that the safest and most comfortable place is to stay in a tomb? And so a question I think for today is this, it's on our next slide. How entombed have I become? How entombed have I become? Now in the gospel story, Lazarus was literally dead. And many of us are also dead, though not literally. Instead, we may have shut ourselves down in other ways, and we might as well be dead. Or maybe we feel like we have come out of the tomb, but we're waiting on a number of people to come out of their tombs. In ancient times, uh, people were buried in tombs, which were often located in caves. Uh, and there was like an inner chamber and an outer chamber, uh, so the dead were shut off from the living. Now, these days, we can pretty easily commit to keeping away from truly living. How comfortable do we get in our tombs? Now, there are, for instance, an infinite number of hours of passive entertainment that could occupy our eyeballs until we're no longer on this earth. Now, hear me out, I'm not saying that Christians should never watch television or have a subscription service, okay? Wah, wah, wah. I'm not Debbie Downer today, okay? By the way, are there any fans of Abbott Elementary in uh, the, yeah, <laughs> it's just, if you, if you haven't seen it yet, Abbott Elementary, my spouse Carol and I, uh, we're streaming that right now. Hilarious. Uh, just a very sweet, uh, sweet show. So I think Jesus might very well have had a Netflix account if he was ministering in the 21st century. I think he'd particularly like Bread Week um, on the Great British Bake Off show. I think Jesus would like Bread Week. Uh, so I, I'm not saying, uh, you know, let's ban 
passive entertainment totally. But instead, let's limit passive entertainment. And let's corral passive entertainment. And let's never let passive entertainment replace an opportunity to worship or an opportunity to go deeper with God uh, through prayer or study. Now, I think passive entertainment takes up a lot of time when we're entombed. But there are other things that we do to avoid life. Maybe we sit in our tombs and we ruminate over the things that may have been done to us. Or maybe we ruminate over the things that we may have done to others and we just get kind of caught in that loop over and over again. Or maybe we hang out in a tomb because we do not believe we are gifted enough to serve God and God's people. We forget that everyone has been given gifts to share with the world. Now, I cannot share the gift of singing because I don't have it. And I cannot share the gift of artisanship because I don't have it. But I can share other things. And let's not give in to the world's view that every gift must be polished to the most perfect glow. We share the gifts that we have been given without judging ourselves, without apologizing for ourselves. And we rejoice when someone else shares their gifts. I think there may be some awkwardness at first coming out of a tomb. There may be some social anxiety, some uncertainty about how to interact and connect. Have you noticed that as we kind of step slowly out of the pandemic? A little bit awkward. We're all a little bit socially anxious. And so let's just remember, we're probably all feeling like, well, how do I do this? <laughs> Remind me, how do I connect? How do I interact? Now, most of all, today's story of Lazarus is a coming out story. Lazarus comes out of death into life. Now, when we exit our tombs, we enter into restoration. We enter into infinite healing for our hearts, our minds, our bodies. But we don't know exactly what that's going to look like, which is why we may decide to stay inside the tomb. Some people will always choose to stay unhealed rather than entering into the unknown. So on the next slide is another question for us to consider today, and it's this. I know what I'm coming out of, right? I know I'm coming out of a tomb. I know what I'm coming out of, but what am I coming into? What am I coming into? We are familiar, we are so familiar with a culture of death, a world that too often prefers war and conflict over peace and reconciliation. Closer to home, we know that a culture of death prefers that we all stay inside our tombs, right? Full of fear, rather than venturing out to experience healing and hope. Yet being on the outside of the tomb, coming out of the tomb, it comes with uncertainty. <laughs> it comes with unpredictability. You know, over the holidays, um, a family member asked me, what is the future of Metropolitan Community Church of the Lehigh Valley? And I gave an honest answer. I said, I don't know what's ahead for MCCLV. All I know is that I'm supposed to be faithful. The pandemic, has not been particularly kind to churches. But let's remember this, this is not the first virus that the Metropolitan Community Church denomination has dealt with. Remember, God brought MCC through the AIDS crisis. We are still here doing ministry. Now, I think what 
was true for MCCLV every year of its existence remains true for the church right now. If MCCLV stays centered in the Lord, we will be fine. If we as a faith community lean on the Lord, if we, if we open ourselves to the guidance of the Spirit, we will be fine. It's that simple and it's that difficult. Staying centered in God means removing ourselves as much as possible from the center. And sometimes it's hard for a church, right, to get out of its own way. Now, MCTLV has been faithful and sought out the Lord before. We just need to continue being faithful and keep seeking the wisdom and the revelation of God. Now, just like individuals, entire churches can get stuck inside of a tomb. Churches can refuse to heed the Holy Spirit. Churches can go their own way and make golden calves and chase after idols. In some ways, I feel like because NCCLV has never had a permanent home, we haven't been stuck in a tomb because we've had to move too often, right? For one reason or another. And in 2024, NCCLV will turn 40 years old. Um, think about that. Think about the community of Israel and their time in the wilderness. So in 2024, uh, MCCLV turns 40 years, old, 40 years old, and surely God will continue blessing MCCLV, and let's just trust that, that God has prepared something good for MCCLV in all the years ahead. Now, from a, a personal standpoint, I can testify that coming out of the tomb is better than staying in. I stayed in the tomb too long because tombs are what? They're familiar. They're comfortable. They're controllable. Stepping into the spirit while it's healing and while it's hopeful, it can be unfamiliar. It can be uncomfortable and especially uncontrollable. And think about it for a moment. What if Lazarus had decided to stay in his tomb? What if Jesus had said, come out, and Lazarus had said, nah, I've got Wi-Fi here in the tomb. You know, Amazon delivers right to the front of the cave. So, hey, I'm good. Uh, I'm just going to hang out here indefinitely. Thanks, though, Jesus. <laughs> now, we probably don't always completely realize the, the negative impact our staying in the tomb, the negative impact that it has on our families, on our friends, and on our communities. Lazarus's sisters, Mary and Martha, desperately want him healed. They want him restored. And beyond his immediate family, Lazarus's community is also devastated. The Jewish community of Bethany is also mourning the loss of Lazarus. And there's an underlying note of frustration with Jesus in the grief of Mary and Martha, as well as the whole community. You see, Jesus and his disciples, they didn't rush to get to Bethany to heal Lazarus. Mary and Martha, those sisters of Lazarus, they had sent a message to Jesus, a simple message. Lord, Lazarus, whom you love, is ill. But Jesus didn't text the sisters, did he? He didn't say, on my way, right? Instead, what does Jesus do? When he heard the news of the illness, though he loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus, after hearing that Lazarus was ill, what did Jesus do? He stayed two days longer in the place where he was. Jesus wasn't in a rush because he already knew the miracle that was ahead, but for those waiting on a miracle, that time of waiting is excruciating. Now, as mentioned, the family of, of Mary, Martha, Lazarus, they're located in Bethany. That's just a couple of miles away from Jerusalem. Jerusalem, not a safe space for Jesus. 
right? Jesus' disciples point out to him, hey, the religious authorities were just now trying to stone you, and are you going to go there again? And Jesus dismisses their concern and, and tells the disciples, our friend Lazarus has fallen asleep, but I'm going there to awaken him. And the disciples still try to avoid the trip to Bethany. And they say, well, if Lazarus has fallen asleep, he's going to be all right. And because the disciples are not quite getting it, Jesus has to get very blunt with them. And Jesus says, Lazarus is dead. For your sake, I'm glad I was not there so that you may believe, but let us go to him. Now, I have always loved the doubting Thomas disciple. I most identify with Thomas. Thomas doesn't understand the miracle that's ahead, and he just sort of gives up at this point. What does Thomas say? Well, let's also go that we may die with him. Thomas figures that if Lazarus is dead, if Jesus is vulnerable to death by entering into Jerusalem, they might as all well just go along and die with everyone else. Now when Jesus and his, his disciples, when they arrive in Bethany, they found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And as most people would be, Mary is angry. She kneels at the feet of Jesus, and she says the same thing that Martha says to Jesus. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. And Mary was crying, and members of her religious community who had come with her, they were also crying. Let's remember this. Faith community members, we bear one another's burdens. We're present when a community member has passed. Mourning together, uh, the grief journey as a community is important doesn't matter how well we know a member of the community. When a member of the community passes, the loss impacts everyone. So we're present. When there's been a loss in the community, we let the tears flow. Even the Savior of the world is moved emotionally. Scripture tells us that when Jesus saw Mary, when he saw her religious community crying, he was greatly disturbed in spirit, and he was deeply moved. In fact, Jesus was so moved by the grief that people were expressing that Scripture tells us what? Jesus began to weep. Jesus comes to Lazarus' tomb. Stone was lying against it, and Jesus says, take away the stone. Now, the ever-practical Martha, the sister of Lazarus, warns Jesus, saying, already there is a stench because he's been dead for four days. Now, this doesn't stop Jesus. The stone is taken away from in front of the tomb, and, and Jesus looks upward and says, God, I, I thank you for having heard me. I, I knew that you always hear me, but I've said this for the sake of the crowd standing here so that they may believe that you have sent me. And then Jesus cries out with that loud voice, Lazarus, come out. And scripture reports that the dead man came out, his hands and his feet bound with strips of cloth, his face wrapped in a cloth. And what does Jesus say? Unbind him and let him go. Praise be to God. Lazarus, come out. Now, Jesus is not just saying this to Lazarus. Jesus is shouting to any of us who are stuck in a tomb, come out and we are set free now anyone who has come out of the closet about their sexual orientation or gender identity knows how freeing it is to walk out of the tomb out of that tomb of hiding and out of that tomb of fear anyone who has come out of the closet about a physical health diagnosis anyone who has come out of the closet about a mental health diagnosis knows how freeing it is to walk out of that tomb 
to walk out of that hiding and fear. And there are other ways in which we entomb ourselves and we stay in a closet. And it's freeing, it's so freeing to come out, to come out about a variety of things. So Jesus miraculously restores Lazarus to life. And Jesus invites each one of us to not just celebrate the the miracle of Lazarus' restoration, you know, praise be to God, all glory and honor to God, wonderful, Lazarus' restoration. But Jesus also invites us to embrace that culture of life each and every day. I've always loved that verse from chapter 10 of John's Gospel where Jesus says, I came that they may have life and have it a little bit. No, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What a beautiful verse from Jesus. Chapter 10 of John's Gospel. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. Jesus wants Lazarus to experience the abundant life. And Jesus has placed before each one of us this abundant life. And on this next slide, well, what is the abundant life? What is the abundant life? Is it about an individual's net worth? Nope. (laughs) Nope, that is not the abundant life. Is it about an individual's popularity? Nope. Is it about a person's health status, their intellectual ability? Nope. The abundant life comes from putting God first, putting God at the center, putting God in charge, and all the rest falls into place. An abundant life is about endless sharing and generosity. An abundant life means being curious about other people, about their ideas, about their thoughts. An abundant life is not about being happy all the time, but it is about being resilient. Jesus never promises happiness 24 hours a day, 365 days a year, but Jesus does indeed strengthen us to journey through whatever is placed before us. After all, Jesus journeys to Jerusalem and enters into this culture of death in order to give each and every one of us the gift of the abundant life here and now and forever and ever eternally. Praise be to God. So will you pray with me at this time? And I think especially today, Uh, We want to focus our our prayers. um, We want to focus our prayers on anyone in our lives who's entombed, right? Who's stuck in a tomb. And maybe it's someone here in the sanctuary worshiping. Maybe it's someone online. Maybe it's a friend of ours. Maybe it's a family member. Maybe it's a coworker, a neighbor. Let's just focus all of our prayer on the people, on the person, whoever it is that is just stuck in that tomb. Lord God, we thank you and praise you for your promises of restoration and freedom and liberation through your chosen one, Jesus. You have called us out of our tombs. You have called us out of a culture of death and to a culture of life. 
And it's not just any old life. It is the life abundant that you promise, Lord God, that you set before us. Thank you, God, for this immeasurable blessing. And on our hearts right now, on our minds right now, maybe it's ourselves, maybe, maybe we're stuck in a tomb, or, or maybe we have one foot in and, and one foot out of the tomb, and uh, we just, uh, we're, we're still just sort of stuck. Maybe it's uh, someone in our lives, Lord God, and we just focus all of our positive prayer energy on these beloved ones who are stuck. Thank you, God, that you get us unstuck. <laughs> you invite us out. And sometimes you have to pull us out. <laughs> and that's okay, Lord God. Whatever it is that you have to do for any of us, any of our beloved ones, to experience that liberation, Lord God, we thank you and we praise you. You say, come out. And we come into your healing, Lord God. We come into your hope. We come into your generosity. And we come into that, that life of, of sharing and giving and mercy and grace. We are so grateful, Lord God. We are reaching out for you, God, and you see us and you respond to us. We are grateful, God, and let's all say, amen. stop listening. We will not stop waiting. Speak your words of wisdom to us, Lord God. We are open. We are ready to receive. We're grateful for so many things this day. For your love, your hope, that you take our hands and you walk with us every day. Thank you for this time of communing with you and with our sisters, brothers, and siblings in Christ. Praise be to you, Lord God. Amen. If you could please rise as able. Let's join in saying together our commission and blessing. The journey has begun, and God is with us. We go into the world to learn, to teach, to serve. Let us go bringing life, grace and hope to all in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Take my life and let it be consecrated Bye. 
Let's all go now in peace to love and serve the Lord. Vaya con Dios. Walk with God. Amen. Take my love, my Lord, I pour. 